It's episode 64 of G.I. Joeberg, the Netsony podcast coming at you from South Africa about G.I. Joe. And what is G.I. Joe? I mean, if you found us in error, perhaps, and you're wondering, what the heck are these guys on about? Well, ladies and gentlemen, this was the toy that dominated the world in the 1960s and 70s and came back to do it all again in the 1980s and 90s where it captured the imaginations of myself, Stephen, and me, Paul, and Robert, too. And you know Cujo is one of the deepest minds in the game. <laughs> Four disparate individuals who come together to talk about toys. Strange? Is it a fertile topic of conversation? Well, we've certainly stuck around long enough. And today we are talking toys, and toys, and toys, and toys. We're talking about <laughs> toys that have evaded capture. I mean, we all are toy collectors in our own rights, but there are a handful of choice items that we have never managed to get our grubby little mitts on. And that is the topic for episode 64 of G.I. Joburg. But we've got a pretty packed agenda before we get to that. And I have a few words that I just want to throw into the cauldron, gents, and see what pings Hasbro... Cinematic Asparagus Universe. Oh, I thought we were saying <laughs> random words. Hasbro Cinematic ah. Universe. Yeah. What springs to mind Holy when shit. this term enters our consciousness? I'll tell you what I want to have spring in my mind, because unfortunately I know what it is. But when I hear Hasbro Cinematic Universe, all I hear is, you know, G.I. Joe, you know, and then going with Mask, you know. So that, that's what I want to hear. So for Paul, it's all about the music cues, right? I, I for me, it, it needs a reboot because yeah, it's too kiddish right now, and, and the fan base has moved on. That's what I'm thinking. How about you, Rob? What do you say? They've got a ton of writers working on this. I think that the main thing is that they've they've gotten together a room of writers. So some of them have have worked on few and are working on new movies for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including a writer from Guardians of the Galaxy to the upcoming new Spider-Man film, as well as Black Panther. And they've been doing a really good job at for making a, you know... I am T'Challa. ...cohesive universe. <laughs> King of Wakanda. King of Wakanda. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, and also they've gotten Brian K. Vaughan on, at least television-wise, most wow. well-known for, yes, for later seasons of Lost. And comics-wise, he's worked on quite a few big things, including Why the Last Man, the very wow. popular current yeah. saga, and also the the comic book miniseries that's supposed to be an influence for the upcoming Doctor Strange film called Doctor Strange The Oath. And also he worked on a very successful run on Swamp Thing, as well as Runaways for Marvel. So that's a big well, positive. I just a shout-out for Mr. Brian K. Vaughan. If you guys have not read Why the Lost Man or Runaways, do yourselves a favor and check out those books. They're really, really awesome. I know I say really mm. awesome a lot, but these are really great, great <laughs> books. I know Why the Lost Man was uh, meant to be uh, t- turned into a TV series, but I don't know what's happened with that project. I don't know if it was meant to be a movie series or whatever, but if Hollywood or if TV producers think that it's it's got some kind of pull, then you should definitely check it out, considering that Walking Dead has been such a runaway success, even though this comic book reader personally does not enjoy the Walking Dead TV series. And Runaways, 
I think would be probably the ultimate X-Men TV series if they did it. Mm. Like, if Netflix did Runaways, that would be a really cool show. But I'm just throwing that in there uh, just to, you know, pump up how cool Brian K. Vaughan is and to throw in some positivity for for the think tank that is Hasbro's universe. I'm going to keep my mouth shut on the uh, Vaughn topic. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, if you did eight seasons of Lost, I, I, I've got no time for you. <laughs> well, he helped in the later seasons, I suppose, to kind of make all those crazy concepts not as crazy as they could have been. Well, Vaughn is kind of a trendy writer over here. I mean, he's he got some social presence and stuff, but I don't know, man. That resume... I think you hit the nail on the head there, Cujo, by saying the word trendy. And I'll double back to why that's a, a, quite a cunning choice of word. Without getting into the merits of the writer, or the writing pool, as it were, uh, or the merits of the properties themselves, and we're talking about G.I. Joe and Mask and Transformers, and also other lesser-known properties like Rom, Space Knight, and The Visionaries. I mean, yeah, not in my childhood... Micronauts as well. All these boys' toys, or or action toys, I should uh, use the more PC term, they want to string them all together. And the fundamental issue that I have with this is that it will always feel like an attempt to copy what Marvel Studios have done very successfully. And what, you know, we, we are now seeing similar moves from from their counterparts in the comic book realm, you know, DC are trying to stitch together their cinematic universe, and to varying degrees of success, it seems a touch desperate to kind of, yeah, let's make all our properties play in one big world together and kind of compound our our fan base so that everyone needs to watch everything. It's not the right move. Surely you have to start with compelling worlds, individual worlds, before you start compounding them. I mean, there were <laughs> umpteen movies and many years of build-up before we saw an Avengers film. Uh, it seemed earned, it seemed right, it seemed part of some master plan. And for Hasbro to be plotting the Indeed. same thing with their AllSpark uh, studio new creation, um, mm, I don't know, I'm, I'm already skeptical. I want a, I want a compelling GI Joe film first before I can get on board with this shared cinematic universe. Either that, or I want them to go straight into the shared cinematic universe in one movie and make it kind of like um, the Last Action Hero, where <laughs> a cartoon cat walks into the police precinct and no one bats an eyelid because guess what? In this world, Rom. Uh, walks down the street with the G.I. Joes and My Little Pony uh, heading up in the opposite direction. I mean, you know, it's basically a sandbox and a child at play. And the audience is the child, and all the toys are the actors and CG creations. It's the wrong move, brother. It's the wrong move. No, you don't think that would be a fun little slightly tongue-in-cheek, slightly ironic or very ironic indictment on action figure culture in general? I think that'd be kind of cool. Just to revert back to a point you were making earlier, the image that I get in my head is that a lot of these companies are putting the cart before the horse in that 
they're conceptualizing or at least considering making big team, big comic book team or big franchise character team movies and then trying to create a spin-off attitude from it in an inverted fashion of what Marvel's doing, which is what you said earlier. Personally, I think what you were getting at with having a cartoon cat walking in and the whole last action hero thing, uh, the only the only thing I can really relate to uh, immediately is they did a Ninja Turtles film, and on that Ninja Turtles film, it's fully animated, but and it has the sort of mid-2000s Turtles, so they were kind of hardcore looking. And what happens is they cross dimensions, and they end up in the 1980s, 1990s Turtles universe. So they kind of like, wow, why have you guys all got initials on your belts kind of thing? And they, they give each other hell, and you actually see in a weird way how ridiculous the original Turtles are and how, how goofy they are. For me, that worked because they kind of melded a lot of stuff together, and it was actually very cool because they even have a few minutes of that show dedicated to the original comic book turtles, which were black and white and, like, super angry. (laughs) And they even make an appearance and help uh, the turtles fight, like, some kind of crazy version of Shredder. In that kind of format, if I had to think of it as an animated feature, I'd go full retard on that. Uh, I would love that. And I think it would work extremely well. And I think another film that one could reference is Wreck-It Ralph, how well Wreck-It Ralph pulls a lot of video game properties into one film and kind of makes it seem like they belong Good there. Good example. Gee whiz. Bloody brilliant. Yeah, so, shot. If, if Hasbro could kind of do something like that, I think it would be very interesting and very admirable, but I don't think they are going to go that way. I think they've had too much success with stuff like um, Transformers for them to want to try something different and, and unusual. I mean, I think... I think this uh, AllSpark think tank or whatever it is is um, quite a brave move for Hasbro. I think they really are worried about their market and they have to try and create new markets. So they're looking for any IP they can to sort of reinvigorate. And then another thing I would like our listeners to maybe consider is that if you go back and you look at things like the Visionaries, now we've never grown up with them. I've had some minimal exposure with the Visionaries and that a friend of mine had two of the figurines. And and I'm sure you gentlemen have all picked up a copy of Toy Fair before. And to our listeners, and you know, I think I might be preaching to the choir. But the Visionaries was quite prominent as an 80s toy line. It's got some form of following. I'd say maybe to the same size as something like Dino Riders. <laughs> uh, and it's an interesting. My <laughs> favorite. Oh, oh Dino Riders. Chance he gets, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Space Knight, I know, has a very unique following. But I think if, if, if listeners and you guys, uh, yeah, exactly. And if you guys can take two seconds to try and modernize those characters and try to see how they could maybe be, I don't know, shoehorned into the G.I. Joe universe or how those universes could be put together. If you open your imaginations a little bit, instead of trying to take what they look like right now and smash them together, maybe find different looks for them. It would be very interesting. I'm done with the Micronauts, man. But, gents, I think this topic could very easily lend itself to an entire episode. And I'd be very curious to find out what your pitch would be uh, if you were pitching this movie. What kind of plot line you could weave with all these uh, properties at your disposal. But I did promise at the outset of this episode that we'd talk toys. And toys, we shall talk. I want to address... Uh, a string of reviews that have been popping up recently, courtesy of Joe Battlelines, 
who is getting the most recent figure subscription service figures in hand and releasing very timeless reviews uh, along with uh, their arrival. The reviews have not been glowing. It sounds like basically Fred and and I think his uh, companion Chris on Joe Battlelines don't have very many good things to say about FSS. Could this be the swan song of the figure subscription service? Is it a money-grubbing outfit that are not delivering quality when they are charging anywhere in the region of $40 per figure? Any thoughts on that, gents? You're talking about the uh, Collector's Club figure subscription? Yeah. FSS 4.0. Well, those are bold words. They're no bolder than Fred's own reviews, which are scathing, just to say the least, and not without their own uh, merits. I mean, we've got misshaped parts, flimsy construction, poor and sloppy paint apps, helmets not fitting where they should, bad part choice where any Lazy Boy customizer could have picked out better, more suitable parts. Sorry, man. Carry on. No, no, not at all. And, and I think there's there's always room for criticism. Uh, yeah, I, I can't speak to those reviews. I've not laid eyes on them. But I, I will say that the collecting base as it is, perhaps these figures are made more suited for diorama setting, etc. Um, because I, I, I concur, they're not structurally sound. What do you say, Robbie? I think I looked at the bullhorn and the... The bright red bat. Um, yeah, they don't look terribly amazing. The inferno bats <laughs> with candy cane chopping action. And I think mm-hmm. that they do mention, you know, in their bullhorns review, that this is the penultimate, you know, the FSS kind of line that they're releasing. So 5.0 is supposedly the last, despite the fact that about a month ago they were picking up a lot of new people joining the service. Strange enough, at least from their own reporting on Twitter. Well, it seems like they've got the only game in town, really. Them and convention exclusives. Have they said why they're stopping it? They haven't outwardly said why they're stopping it or that they are stopping it. It's just that there's a lot of rumors and stuff flying around. At least that's from what I can pick up with my ear to the ground. I have a good feeling that the figure subscription service that these guys uh, don't have access to a lot of parts. I think um, I think the, the library of parts that they have access to, or rather the inventory that they have available to them is diminishing. I think it's diminishing in the form of molds. Uh, molds, I think, are starting to break or are starting to become unusable, uh, which is quite a common thing with molds. Molds only can only press so many units. They are very expensive to make. Uh, in the whole figure-making process, uh, mold-making is extremely expensive. Uh, having looked at it myself personally, it gets quite up there. I mean, we're talking in the hundreds of thousands of rands for certain things. So there's that, that I think is, you know, like I think the FFS would gladly put money towards getting the molds and stuff remade, but I don't think that the figure subscription service itself is actually making enough money to warrant that, despite how popular it is. So I think that if you look at a figurine like Bullhorn, you're looking at, wow, they kind of, you know, they're running out of stuff. And if they're releasing an Inferno bat, well, Clearly, the molds for the bat are quite prolific because we've had lots and lots of bat uh, re-releases. Even in the 50th anniversary line, we got like an Arctic bat, and I think there was a convention green acid bat or something like that. But oh, you mean like Constructicon bats, purple yes, and yeah, green? Yeah. <laughs> mm, that was an attractive-looking figure. 
actually. It it is. It is. It's not like oh, holy shit, I got to go and get myself that exclusive, you know, right now and drop a whole bunch of dosh on it. But it is cool because the constructor cons have a cool aesthetic. Oh, I think ahead. that is the big problem at the moment. I think that fixed subscription service cannot afford to get more molds done. I'm not saying this, listeners. I'm not saying that this is the case. This is just something that I think might be the case. I also think, and this is where the conspiracy side of this might come out. I think Hasbro is slowly trying to murder the G.I. Joe brand. And hear me out here. It's not G.I. Joe that they're trying to take down. It's just that if you look at all the figurines that Hasbro have done in the last four years, they have had limited articulation, sloppy paint apps, uh, lackluster features. A lot of them look like knockoffs. And I know, I know I've moaned about this on previous episodes, but just a lot of the toys coming out from Marvel and uh, and now even the Star Wars stuff, it's very like subpar. And I think Hasbro is trying to kind of get rid of the super articulated figurine that we know as G.I. Joe, and it's trying to sort of erase that from public minds. And it, and with a new brand revival, I think that they're going to start going for the limited articulation G.I. Joe style figures because I think that's what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to condition that. Um, into people you know it didn't work it failed for them when they tried it earlier but that was because they were releasing shit to people who have been in this game for a long time uh this game being toy collecting and gi joe toy collecting so they they kind of fucked up there but i think if they murder the brand and they try to bring it back to life there's nothing they will never listen to us as fans and i think that's kind of what's happening i think they're slowly trying to destroy the G.I. Joe we grew up with to kind of create something ultimately new and different and cheaper to make. Why do you have to firebomb a conversation <laughs> like that? Now our minds are all twisted. Yeah, damn. All of a sudden, <laughs> like, the future looks very bleak. Quality has lost the battle. It's quantity and lower cost. I mean, it must be fractional, the amount of cost used to tool up a five-point-of-articulation figure versus something that has multiple points and accessories and paint apps. Because kids will still have them bought for them. All that stuff aside, follow the money. I think that's what Hasbro's doing. They're trying to reboot their brand. We'll see how it works. I don't know. That's all conjecture at this point. <laughs> I just would like to end off on a more positive note with what I had to say, because I, I know that it kind of leaves us in a bit of like Debbie Downer land, which for some people is, is a good thing. I don't know. But anyway, 3D printers and the sort of access to 3D printing and and how prolific or the proliferation of such. Now, that is something I think is going to ultimately save the brand or at least uh, save the characters and save the figures for collectors because much like how the Transformers figures are also going the way of the Dodo in the sense that they are also starting to get very bad paint apps, very sort of hollow sculpts, I'm sure if you guys have picked up a Transformers figure now, you've seen that they are not quite what they were five years ago, and certainly not what they were ten years ago. There's a lot less Transformer for your buck. But in saying that, there's a lot of guys out there that are creating third-party Transformers content, and they've been doing it for uh, ten years now. They've been, you know, uh, creating these small runs of figures. I think uh, Steve has Steve has got those micro Transformers. World smallest, love them. World smallest, you know. And I go into BTS often, and I check out all of those um, sort of 
uh, renamed characters, uh, and they're fantastic. They're really, really amazing. I think if I was a much more hard, or if I was a more hardened Transformers fan, I'd be buying that stuff up more than I'd be buying up the actual regular releases. And I think GI Joe is going to go that way. And I, and I think that's a real positive. Third-party Transformers are not cheap. Oh, they are beautiful, and they are quality toys. Do not confuse them with knockoffs. They are not knockoffs. They are brilliant. Uh, and if you want to check out a reviewer who, who routinely gets third-party Transformers in, he goes by the name Vangelis. That's V-A-N-G-E-L-I-S on YouTube. That guy used to be a musician, <laughs> man. Well, not, don't not confuse yeah, him with band. No, no. <laughs> he um, he yeah. is a Transformers reviewer extraordinaire. He does probably the best uh, TF reviews. Uh, second in my favorite list to a guy called Thu, who uh, just beats him out on entertainment value because Thu is, he's got a, a fascinating mind. Uh, spelled T-H-E-W. Uh, Thu's awesome reviews. Check those guys out on YouTube if you are at all interested in our transforming brethren within the same uh, all spark multiverse. <laughs> Yeah, let me bring uh, the Collector's Club back into focus, since we just uh, threw some dirt on him. Kind of. Um, well, no, not really, because I think what they're doing is amazing. <laughs> be an ass like uh, an but we're just because you want free stuff. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that Cujo, they're bad. Hold on. I love you, buddy. Yes. Yeah, go, Cujo, go. <laughs> Rob's um, like, you, I roll. You know about the, uh, the, the, the convention, the G.I. Joe convention, mid to late June in Colorado, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful green country. Uh, everybody will enjoy that. Whatever um, you say, North America. They, they've released their... Uh, yeah. The last well, dinosaur. Just, just in case people are not in the know. But uh, they've released their convention set. You guys have seen all those figures at this point, right? Uh, yes. Star yeah. Patrol. Okay. And fair enough. Oh, Star Patrol, yes. Yeah, yeah. And they have a character called Air Devil. Is, is, that, is that the first iteration of that character? Uh, to my knowledge, yes. Kind of on the nose, red and black. Uh, I'm wondering, do you guys have your own sinister figure that you have that maybe has some bad overtones to you? Maybe the sculpt doesn't feel right? Uh, I guess I'm just asking. Uh, <laughs> Viper. <laughs> Rogue Viper. <laughs> I think he's talking about within the convention set, buddy. No, no, I'm talking about, I'm talking about across the board. Oh, because it's the shittest attempt at one of the coolest figures ever made, ever. It shows, it, it's just, it has a complete lack of respect for the original design. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, I go into this in quite a lot of depth in one of our earlier episodes, so I don't want to go here. But let me just say that it's a really shit figure, and if you ever buy it, please get it for bottom dollar and use it to make it into something amazing. So, so that's your diabolical figure, the Rock Viper. Oh, it's crap, man. The helmet is even too big for it. It just looks oh, like, just, have you guys seen Full Metal Jacket? You know, Vincent Onofrio's character, I mean, shame. That's like that's what happens if he like doesn't kill himself in the movie. Spoiler alert. But you should have seen it. It's been around for years. <laughs> Steven, give me your diabolical character. Diabolical character. You know, Kujo, you gave us some warning about this possible curveball quickfire topic. And I must admit, I completely misunderstood you. I thought you were looking for diabolical elements within the figure subscription service 4.0 figure roster. And 
within. Then, then let's see how well you dance, brother. Uh, well, I am gonna 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 answer the question that I set out to answer because I'm not really good at thinking on my feet. <laughs> but I have to admit the and maybe uh, you'll be amused by this, Rob. The glee on Jammer's face. This is the Z Force. The Action Force uh, communications expert. <laughs> the glee that that figure sculpt's uh, expression carries is is perhaps fitting because he is a rather jovial guy. I mean, if you have some handle on the character, uh, he's he's an American working in a British or English uh, special forces unit called Z Force, and and he's you know he's he's got that kind of uh, mouth that moves a mile a minute. Um, so you know the smile works. He looks like a rather, you know, wisecracky kind of typical of his nationality kind of guy. Uh, no generalizations here. But then he's also packing the team grenade launcher. So all of a sudden, it, it does <laughs> take on this this distinctly diabolical twist, which kind of conjures up. Roadblocks uh, like murderous rampage <laughs> in GI Joe Resolute, where he uh, nice just is laughing maniacally as he mows down countless Cobra blue shirts. Uh, so I, I find that quite sinister. That head sculpt. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna frag these motherfuckers. That's that's all I got. <laughs> Passes the mic to the next G.I. Joe burger. What do you got, Robert? Um, I try to think about this, but like I think in general, figures don't kind of fill me with, with dread. <laughs> Fancy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I don't well, look at a figure and think... It's like, that doll's fucking ugly, but it's not scary. <laughs> but that doll exactly, yeah, I mean, doesn't like, have a hat. The film Chucky My did not scare me. My dolls don't have any hats. <laughs> Oh, all dolls should have hats. So you didn't have a figure that felt sinister to you? I don't think so. I think usually some figures are just off-putting in, like, maybe the color combinations and stuff. All right, throw that at me. I think, like, especially when they start messing around with with colors. Like, I think sometimes when they do the later versions of the Alley Viper, get a bit bit whack. Not that... You know, the the original version of the Ali Viper wasn't whack with the orange and the blue. But like so there's like a later <laughs> there's a later version from I think ninety three where the orange and the and the blue is just so bright that like you, you just look at it and you know this guy is not having a good day because You need sunglasses. It, it just to look clashes. At yeah, it clashes so hard. While the original version <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't feel so bad. Um, so, in general, I don't find I, I'm not terrified of figures. Kujo, I feel like you might have had a, a, a response to this question uh, of your own. I have two. I have two. Let's have it. Yes, sir. Um, and that, well, those are all creative. I, I think we all have to agree that the Hydro Viper, both on card art and in sculpt, is is definitely one of the most unsettling figures because he's got the uh, Face hugger hand, and uh, and he also mm. has the mouth of a blow up doll. So let's be honest. I'd say um, that takes points against him, to be honest. But certainly the the well, the it's still unsettling. Arts, 
The card art was what sold that figure to me. I wanted that figure because he looked terrifying uh, in the card art. The 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 purple plastic thing rattling in a, a bubble uh, beside the card art kind of didn't even feature to my four-year-old mind. I was like, I want this. It looks scary. You take the figure out of its packaging and you, you can't help but feel a slight sense of disappointment. Though I suppose at the age of four, nothing really disappointed me. I was like, cool, I have a new toy. But, yeah, he was... It, it, I wouldn't say the figure is as 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 uh, it doesn't live up to the card art in terms of being scary. Oh, I agree. He's still unsettling, though. Just on the features <laughs> yeah. I mentioned. But I would have also accepted uh, a stiff jointed bat because they can have the claw hand that can like hold characters off the ground in a chokehold. So that that was the other answer that I would have accepted. Stiff handed. Mm. Yeah, that's a good answer. Try stiff jointed. Well, you know, because they can't hold the character off the ground if the joint is loose. Mm. But but yeah. on yes. the other end of the spectrum, something that that terrifies me to this day is encountering a stiff joint on an O-ring figure, because trying to loosen that joint up could very easily get that plastic to crack. It's all getting more and more brittle, just like we are, I suppose, <laughs> with age. Yeah, I hate when a character's crotch pops off. That's that's. A... See that that was that that could work too. That that's all I had. I just want to see what kind of diabolicalness uh, existed deep in your mind. That's all. Diabolique. <laughs> it seems um, like Stephen embraces the diabolical. Ooh, this picture terrifies me. I can, went. Can I just it. jump in? Can I just jump in and just say one last thing, just to cap this off, because I'm worried about the negative implications of what I may have said earlier. I actually mm-hmm. really applaud the figure su- uh, subscription service. I think the fact that, that they've done what they've done, it's no small feat. It's really impressive. I think they've had to go a lot through a lot of uphill just to get some of the figures out that they have. And and to have some of these negative reviews must be serious salt on the wounds. And I feel bad for them because I know on one side that their hands may very well be tied. And as much as I'd love to remedy the situation, I don't think that they have the resources to. But if you look at some of the face sculpts that have been produced because of the figure subscription service and um, and you look at some of the ideas and some of the stuff that they've come up with, holy shit, they, they are really impressive. And and if, if, for example, they close down, I don't think that these guys are going to stop. I think these guys are going to take a bit of a Marauder Inc. kind of approach and maybe start doing a lot of their own customized figures. As it is, and I can't remember the name of this company, but... They've done this series called Vitruvian Hacks, and these are the guys that did the face sculpts, who have actually done face sculpts and, and body sculpts and stuff for Hasbro. They've actually opened their own company. Sadly, they've released a whole bunch of fi- figurines that I have absolutely no interest in, uh, as they're all from Greek mythology, um, which is cool, by the way. It's just I've never had any inkling to own a figurine of Medusa or Hercules. So it's all lost on me, but the articulation is too sweet, dude. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome, actually. And, what about um, a skeleton with a sword? Well, they've done that. They, they, that's exactly what, what they, they're doing. They're doing stuff like that, and it's, it's really cool. Um, it's just a bit too Ray Harryhausen for me. Um, and Explain. As much as I respect that stuff. Uh, Ray Harryhausen did the old uh, movies based on mythology. And so he always And he had like movies where dinosaurs were fighting. Basically, Ray Harryhausen is the guy that kind of made stop motion a thing. Um, and was an inspiration to a lot of special effects gurus of, of today. Um, but, 
epic Clash instead titans? of the signs come again yeah Clash of the titans he did the original that's correct yeah and that he's stuff is cool he's a legend I just don't I just don't like it aesthetically uh, but I appreciate it it's uh, and I and I think it's very impressive I, I have the yeah. same thing with Vitruvian hacks I think what they've done is extremely impressive I just don't like it enough to show the money on it off on it but if they did something with a theme that I did like I'd buy it but now these subscription service guys and these guys they are starting to to sort of go into that third party a high quality toy market which is where I think collectors like us belong. If the figure subscription service ever listens to this, oh, they I think do. what you guys are doing are great. Um, well, and... you don't have to backpedal, Paul. I mean, th- there's criticism. No, no, but... warranted. It's warranted, brother. No, I hear you. But you see, the thing is, I don't have any criticism for them, really. I, I feel I know what it's like to be in an industry where you have to produce things and that there are limitations and that, you know, w- you celebrate the wins and you learn from the losses and... That's like with anything in life, really. But they have a lot of wins. I mean, if I had more money, I would have the slice and dice figures that they did. And I would have got that shebang. And I would have got many figures from that line that they had released. Uh, that uh, Tiger Force Outback is a figurine I would kill for. He is really awesome. But I just don't have money. And to access their figures, that is the only critique I have for them. If they could make it easier to get their toys, that would be marvelous but to have the subscription service the way they're doing it now i think is way too expensive and it creates an unnecessary exclusivity especially in this day and age where we have access to a lot and as soon as something's a little bit uphill you start like kind of doubting yourself you like for myself i go wow three thousand five thousand rand for like 12 or 13 figures a year with the shipping and all that and i kind of think about it and i look at what I can do with that kind of money, like in one shot, and I'm like, it just feels bad buying toys. And and I think it's not fair to say that I'm not part of that target market because I very much am part of that target market because I did dedicate a lot of money to my toys. But the thing is, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to just spend money on crap. No. You know, what I've done that already. What we want to find out now is what do you want to spend yeah. your hard-earned dough on? Oh, nice. Oh, this yeah. is GI Joe Birds. <laughs> Wishlist episode. Damn, that was a strong segue. So, get your <laughs> pens and papers out, boys, because we're about to <laughs> let our Christmas list go long before the snow starts to fall in the north. Uh, who wants to go first? Rob should go first. Jinx. Yes. And and before wow. anyone starts, we- I I just like to enter a prediction into uh into the lexicon. Uh, someone someone oh. is gonna hmm. want 1989's Raider. Come on, don't let me down, boys. <laughs> um. Just um, text me. Oh, no, don't scratch it out. <laughs> that. No no no. That was on. Okay, so when I made this list, I went through Yojo. Dot com, the best place for, you know, figure and vehicle pictures and a Second wonderful database. Shows, yeah, no, no, for sure. But I mean, that's like the original, you know, yeah, yeah, yojo.com. Yes. Loyalty counts for a lot. <laughs> I created a list of 24 figures and 11 vehicles, and indeed, Stephen, the Raider with hot seat was on the long list. 
did not make the top five. I'm sorry to disappoint, but this will give Paul enough time to look at the vehicle a second time and decide to put on his top five. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get the points to you. Oh, Rob. <laughs> okay, let me, let me dive right into this. So my number five is, is a vehicle that I essentially already own, but I want the original, and that is the Cobra Rattler from 1984. Good um, pick. Owning, absolutely. I mean, I already own the, you know, the, the G.I. Joe Warthog. Oh, you're referring <laughs> um, to the 1997 re-release that made the Rattler a G.I. Yes. Joe vehicle. The A-10. Mm. That's not an A-10. Yeah, the A-10. But there we whatever. go. Or A, whatever, yeah. A-10-ish. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's an awesome mold, and the original Cobra Rattler has a really cool color scheme to it. Just that kind of dark blue, which is very Cobra, I think, of, of the time. And the figure comes with a really cool too. Although, you already own this figure, don't you, Stephen? Yeah, I bought a, a wild weasel just to put into your uh, your A-10's cockpit. And and just to push it one step closer to being a legit Cobra vehicle, uh, I ordered Cobra stickers. From yes, Cobra stickers. exactly. <laughs> so we're a little <laughs> bit close there, but I think owning the actual original Cobra Rattler as it was you know, originally envisioned would be really awesome. And let's not lose sight of the fact that uh, a Cobra vehicle with camo pattern on it is a little bit uh, sacrilegious. I see that now. I see the error of my ways. Mm. It's unusual. A but practical it's not, color you know... scheme for a Cobra vehicle? Never. Not unusual to have a practical color scheme on a Cobra vehicle. <laughs> uh, you should be a lyricist, Paul. Next. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my number four there. is the second vehicle, the second and last vehicle on, on this list, and is the 1984 Cobra Asp. Um, Ooh, what? <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic. I, I think it look it looks fantastic. Once again, it's also in the original Cobra colors, and it's towable, which I think is cool. You can you know attach it to the back of the uh, the His oh, yeah, two or the His three. Oh, yeah, you, um, you get in a tight corridor, you just unhitch. That's a roadblock, yeah, right? Yeah, take it out. It's, yeah, it, it blocks off, you know, people coming after you. And I just think it looks really cool. And I love the way that the little, little like, legs come down. And it, it looks complex enough, I think. You know, it's not, well, like, it's super simplistic. Like, it's, when it's not Stephen like put the, his um, ass in my hands, I was, I was filled with joy. Oh, those gun designs yeah. are, are tight too. Yeah, no, it's like very, very cool. guns. Hmm. I mean, I considered other things like the HAL, but I was like, Cobra doesn't really have many like a lot of cool accessory type vehicles in, in a way. You know, the ASP is, and yeah, I think it's pretty awesome. And and it's it's got a lot more detailing, and I think a simplistic fun factor as opposed to something like the Blockbuster from '94, which is just a huge. White is a plastic. If you even not looked at it, go look at it. It's awful. <laughs> Sorry if it's on anyone's list. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure the blockbuster is is safe from uh, our uh, greedy hands. You're allowed <laughs> to have your opinion, even if it's wrong, Rob. But it's right this time. But so. <laughs> Number three. You should get a cool voice to. To do these numbers. What is my voice cool enough? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. 
My number three is the Night Force version of Psycho, released in 1988. I've always liked the look of the original Psychout, but those kind of crazy colors which I enjoy in sci-fi just don't look cool on him, in my opinion. And I like his kind of like almost like Star Wars-esque look with the kind of band that wraps around the back of his head and the blonde hair, which I don't think many G.I. Joe figures have. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a cool sculpt, and yeah, the colors are much better than the original. So didn't they ditch the blonde hair with the Night Force version of Psychout? Isn't he a brunette? I think it's a bit more brunette, but it's not like hectically brunette. I think. And also, in, in general, Night Force just did better versions. You know, when they recolored them for it, they did better versions. Like, Sneak Peek looks way more awesome in his Night Force colors than he did originally. It's kind of gray and red. I like the color scheme, but those damn radar dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like awesome. a Sneak Peek, personally, but I get where you're coming from. Like, my long list was, in general, I was just looking at the figures. Most of them, I was just looking for something interesting. That's maybe a little bit different from I like what it. I already own. But then again, my number two is very similar to something else I already own, and I chose it specifically because of that. And my number two is Freefall from 1990. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, he's a paratrooper, kind of like Ripcord, and the color scheme of his outfit is very similar to Ripcords, and the equipment he comes with is also kind of like Ripcords, and I kind of like that. Like, it's a later version of essentially the same character, basically, and he's much better looking than Ripcord is. <laughs> it's very military accurate, or when I say military accurate, it, it's kind of, it's got a very real-world feel, that, that figure. Yeah, no, very real-world, which is cool, especially if you think about, I mean, it's not late, late line, but I mean, it is edging closer to, you know, 94 now. In that part of the line, like we've we've left the 80s and now we're entering Lumo season. <laughs> 90s extreme. Notoriously, Freefall was ruined for me as a figure because I think I gave him at some other kid's birthday party. He was my present to the other kid, and while I absolutely oh. wanted to steal it back. I think by virtue mm-hmm. of it going to some other child and him getting to open it and like not getting the the ecstatic joy of of freeing him myself kind of ruined him for me. And it, it, ever since he seemed like a very simplistic figure, without a whole lot going for him. I mean, he came out in the same year where you had the Sky Patrol and they had functioning parachutes and he had you know a solid molded. Block. I, I think uh, he might be a candidate for our card art battle later on. That's some, that's some pretty cool card art. That's some yeah. very good card art, yeah. Hmm. And then, I as I said, it feels like yeah. a callback to Ripcord. I mean, he's, he's essentially Ripcord. Hmm. And I love yeah. the Ripcord figure. And something I'd like to add, uh, and I've said this before, but I love how his camo scheme matches the tomahawk. It just feels like they belong together, which is cool. Like, he should be jumping out of a tomahawk. I've actually held this figure in hand as well, because David used to have this toy, and the detail on him when you have him in hand is, is quite cool. Like, he looks like a plain figure, but when you have him in hand, he's actually, he's a very good sculpt. And that helmet is actually very cool. Um, although it's quite different from his card art, but it is, it's a goodie. But yeah, I also like, like, long jackboots. It's also an interesting choice. Yes. And there's a lot of unpainted pop on his sculpt, which if you 
wanted to customize him, it wouldn't be a very difficult thing to do to make to make him just a little bit more interesting. Uh, yeah. I think, like Ripcord, he's also a very simple deco. Yeah, yeah he's got exactly. it. It's just the the colors and then the you know, application of the camera, nice. essentially. I, I was just going to say I like that he's a, a a kind of a salute to realistic looking soldiers. Like we don't really see a lot of realistic looking soldiers later on in the line. So he's kind mm. of one of the fun nods to that. Number one. Number one is, I mean, it's a figure I think I've mentioned probably a couple of times, and it is Ambush from 1990. And oh, I think it's cool also choice. one of Paul's favorites, yeah. <laughs> Those accessories and that mustache. <laughs> I think those are the two no, things that sold so this figure. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he, you know, he's, he has a little tent basically with the poles and the fabric, and that, I mean, as far as I can tell, I mean, that all attaches to the backpack. It does. I, um, I had this, and story. I think that's that's um, pretty awesome. No, that's a I great actually remember list. the day I got my ambush. I, I I walked into CNA on a Saturday, which is normal, and then all of a sudden they had GI Joes again at CNA, and there were kids all huddled around them, and I was like grabbing a whole bunch, and for some reason I grabbed ambush because he looked. I don't know why this appealed to me as a kid then, but he looked like a real army man. He looked like a real kind of World War II army man with his helmet, and he had a whole bunch of that that um, that tent um, felt stuff was all like wrapped up, and I was like, wow, that looks really interesting. And I actually remember getting home and not being able to assemble any of that shit correctly because I think I was just too young and my brain was too small then. But I remember running outside in the garden and like trying to cover him with all of that stuff, and and then he was like, you know, this commando. Dude, I remember that for for years, and it's kind of always stuck with me. Such a cool toy. It's brilliant, and he's a concealment specialist. I like that about him as well. Does that mean oh. you're a very secretive guy? Yes, indeed. Uh, I kind no, of feel well, a I mean, kinship with him. Cheers, yeah, I mean, That was a great list. <laughs> think about how popular Ambush would be today. I mean, he looks right sitting at a Smashburger. You know, like you, you you see him drinking some craft beer and eating a Smashburger with his big lumberjack beard. Anyways. Who's next? Me. It's I would have laughed at that comment, Paul, but I had to mute. Shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> a plane was overhead, and I was like, damn, that's funny. Who, who's next? Who's next? Who's next? I kind of want to know where Steven's going to take this. I'll chime in. Okay. I surprised myself with my number five pick. Because it's something that uh, I guess I guess I must be getting to a, a, a certain level of completion in my GI Joe collecting when I start considering these items. But it's something that you start to need more and more of because the vintage GI Joe line was such its own thing that you can't really mix and match other toy lines into it, uh, even. Venerable third-party producers like Marauder Inc. Uh, with their diorama stuff don't quite have the same, I suppose, retro feel that the small battlefield items produced for the G.I. Joe line have. So my number five is actually spread evenly over three of these small playsets. They are the 1984 Bivouac. Bivouac. <laughs> However you say that word. Bivouac. 
1985 yeah. Ford Observation Post and the 1986 Outpost Defender. These three small items... Is that three? Are you becoming four? Were you, you're adding like tons of things under one thing now. <laughs> That's my stick. <laughs> well, I got there first. Yes, I am go, go, putting go. three items into consideration. The <laughs> Let me get them right. The 1984 Bivouac the 1985 Forward Observer, and the 1986 Outpost Defender. These small items just create such a, a compelling and rich world that, that G.I. Joe, it's a dimension that G.I. Joe actually had. These were realistic items that any soldier unit in the world could, could, could be found stationed on. You know, basically like tents or lean-tos or little sandbagged encampments. This would create such a nice and rich and textured uh, diorama, essentially. So, yeah, I'm kicking it off with a, a very, um, I suppose, anticlimactic number five by saying that I really wouldn't mind having any number of these these small items uh, in my in my arsenal because they are novel. They... <laughs> What's up? <laughs> oh, <dear. Sorry. laughs> what have I done? And all I heard was ass, and then my sniper out. Small, small items in my arsenal. Catch up. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, carry on. So yeah, uh, these small items, and particularly those three. I mean, there are other items that I, I would easily add to that, uh, like the watchtower, for instance. Uh, it's pathetically small, I know, but it does feel vintage Joe, and therefore uh, has an appeal. So you're moving into Dio territory now? You kind of want to play with your toys and make them into cool scenery? It's it's a hole that needs filling, and these small battlefield sets, hell, even something like the ammo dump, uh, and the little tow vehicle, <laughs> what is it, the bomb disposal vehicle? I mean... All these world-building elements that G.I. Joe also had, you know, mixed in with the, 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 the big-ticket items or the, 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 the best-selling items, all these other smaller things, which were probably not the most uh, sought-after. I mean, no one really wanted to get the machine gun defense, you know, for Christmas of 1984. But, hey, if you happen to have uh, room for a stocking filler, it's, it's not a bad one, I suppose. You know, these, these smaller items have their appeal, and it's something that I'm sorely missing. So that's my number five pick. They oh. pocket money diorama sets, you know, and that's what makes them very, very, very cool. I have that ammo box with the shells and stuff, and it's really cool. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and they are G.I. Joe. They are authentic vintage G.I. Joe. And no matter how many other dio pieces you manage to collect from other lines... The bottom line is, like, them being vintage and G.I. Joe make them exclusive. And yeah, no matter how, which way you cut it. And, oh, totally. totally. And those are the, 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 the accessories that you want to marry to your vintage toys. Next on the list. Oh, you're going to struggle to find too many figures on my list. I'm a vehicle guy uh, mm. at, my, at my core. Uh, and this is this is certainly a vehicle that has eluded me for some time, but has eluded most collectors because of the difficulty involved in getting one that works and that has its mud flaps and aerials and smoke dispensers. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? 
Not a fucking clue. Water? <laughs> Showing you up. <laughs> Cujo? Uh, you said smoke dispenser? Yeah. I could take a stab, but go ahead. Ah oh, man, no one's feeling bold tonight. Okay, run down the list. Smaller NBT. I didn't know you were gonna tease something. Smaller NBT. Fantastic. Well done, Rob. Oh, that is and a sexy tank. The Mauler MBT <laughs> is the next step in the evolution of the G.I. Joe tank, and as such is a necessary inclusion in anyone's collection. But whereas its predecessor, the Mobat, was just one solid piece, essentially, the Mauler ramps it up a notch, or two, or three, with movable hatch covers and... Uh, small components that attach onto it, like a bogey wheel, like the mud flaps, like the side armor portions. It's a nightmare to find complete online. And if you do find it complete, and with its motor still in operable condition, best believe it's going to command some premium prices. Say nothing about the fact that it is a superbly sculpted toy with a with an equally uh, impressive operator so it, it has eluded me for some time and I need it man I need some tan armor I mean you could say that the early G.I. Joe vehicles were very reflective of the United States' involvement in Southeast Asia and that the vehicles toward the mid and, and later 80s reflected the changing climate of, of the United States battleground and that, 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 that moved more towards the Middle East <laughs> where desert camo schemes were what you needed for your Tomahawk and your Mauler and your Mobile Command Center and your Desert Fox. I mean, G.I. Joe became more of a, a desert theater kind of operating unit. Well, if Rakanda is nice. okay with it, I'm okay with it. That's two for two on mustaches, by the way. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Just stick around for my number one, buddy. Uh... Number, or the penultimate, oh, I've only got four. <laughs> oh, anyway. Well, you know, your number five counts as like five, six, seven, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, point taken. Uh, I have perished the thought of ever getting a defined launch complex. Mm. That is a nightmare. So I have moderated my goal to the Crusader shuttle. Ah, okay. Which is the 1989 re-release of The Defiant, with slightly different coloring. There's some black mixed in for good measure. The transparent uh, view screens are, are yellow now instead of clear. It also comes with payload, done up uh, in a white and yellow scheme. And it has the nifty little uh, assault drone from the Night Raven, packed in for good measure, giving the Crusader a little offensive edge over its predecessor. I almost bought this toy. I found one in its box while I was in Singapore. I was excited. I was, I was, I was overjoyed. This was the biggest find of my latter G.I. Joe collecting. I'd found it in the flesh, in a foreign city, in its box. And this was going to be my gift to self for Christmas of 2012. It was not meant to be. <laughs> they were asking a mint for it, like uh, stupid money. Uh, and I had had debated with myself whether it was worth it or not and thought, 
Okay, for a mint in sealed box toy, which I will have the very rare privilege of of actually opening and assembling and stickering for the first time ever. You know, this is a virgin toy. I thought, ah, I can splurge. I can do this. What was the what was I, the price of the ski mask? <laughs> the toy was not mint and sealed box. The guy offered to let me check it out before purchasing, and that already put me on my guard because I was like, "Hmm, what? I can I can open the box and take a look inside before buying it?" Well, it was not worth the hype, unfortunately, uh, because it had been pre-assembled, it had been decalled, like the parts were yellowed I mean it, it had been played with and then put back in the box for resale if he was asking for a fraction of the cost I would have dropped on it but yeah the 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 price he was asking did not make it a worthy purchase and so it eluded me I will get it one day and take my G.I. Joes to space where they've always been destined to roam yeah, Alas, that, that. that was not meant to happen in 2012. Nice. I remember that, one, that, that time. Oh, you remember so that incident, do you? I think I was like really like pushing you to get the fucking thing. I think I was on your case. I was like the devil on your shoulder. <laughs> like, fight, 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 fight. Good job. I was crushed that Christmas. I, I honestly felt like someone had stolen Christmas. It sucked. Damn Grinch. Yeah, big time. Number one, gentlemen, was another toy that got away, and the only figure on this list. There is a toy that, and this this seldom happens, but there was a toy that was so greatly improved by its redeco that I cannot even begin to consider buying the original version as a result. Because there is only one version of this toy that I would ever consider owning. I'm sorry. Night Force Outback. Tiger Force Outback. Ah, oh, that one. Night Force. No, gross. No. Tiger Force Outback. I couldn't remember which which repaint it was, so I just threw out Night Force. Python Patrol Cophead. Yeah, great. Tiger Force Outback. I think if I owned it, 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 well, okay, this is just me being ridiculous and always wanting that which I do not own. But Tiger Force Outback would become my ultimate figure, just, just by default. The T-shirt, okay, I can't look beyond the T-shirt. But if I was to, I would then go on to note his white, white hair, which is an oddity in the GI Joe line. He is yeah. pretty obvious. Can you think of any other soldiers that have white hair? Um, and only soldiers one. that have that big a grizzled beard on them. I mean, Outback is just a badass character, and Tiger Force Outback is a badass presentation of that character. Yeah, that's a nice one, dude. Mm. But I have, I suppose, a little... Um, buyer's note to add to this this tale I want to get a Tiger Force Outback that is in played with condition because the problem with buying a figure that is also a European exclusive and therefore sought after and highly prized and highly priced is that 
you wind up being too precious with the damn thing to ever play with it. For this to be my ultimate mm-hmm. figure, he's going to have to be a little bit beat up. And that becomes a challenge to find on the aftermarket. Because, you know, people who are selling this figure for investment purposes are only going to be selling minty specimens that they can get very good prices for. To find a loose, played-with one, you're thinking more along the lines of finding it in person in some thrift store on the Mediterranean somewhere. Yeah. I'm romanticizing the image a bit, but I I imagine myself trawling through some kind of uh, fishing village in Greece going into an old, old, dusty toy shop and uh, digging through loose G.I. Joes, all going for like, I don't know, uh, one or two euro and finding Tiger Force Outback with his flashlight, of course, still neatly attached to his thigh and just grabbing this figure. (laughs) I mean, maybe I'll pay for it. Maybe I'll just sort of slip it into my sleeve or something, but... (laughs) <laughs> he will be mine. He will be mine. Well, I follow this uh, guy on Instagram called G.I. Joe Fan 312. Uh, I may have mentioned him before on the show, but he has taken some photos of a G.I. Joe sale, that, or an estate sale, in uh, Burbank, California. I wonder who's close to Burbank, California in this uh, podcast. Anyway, yeah. they've got a Tiger Force out back there. In fact, they got the entire Tiger Force um, uh, with the Euro tiger force dudes and i sent you guys all a nice picture on whatsapp and they're all going for a hundred dollars each imagine that yeah <laughs> at this estate sale um along with a night boomer and uh, various other little um fun gi joe themed trinkets but uh just on this picture alone they've got european tiger force blizzard a european tiger force hit and run uh the aforementioned uh outback and sneak peek um, so that's pretty cool. It's some uh, deceased estate sale in Burbank, California. So if Cujo uh, holds ass now, he can go and get us some stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. get it now, though, but, bro. It's it's it looks like it's in pretty good nick. And a hundred bucks for any GI Joe figure? Come on, man. I've I've, I've got to be realistic here. If you saw the personal inventory behind me right now, I, I may not need need to make a road trip. Oh, really? oh, that's good. You got some European <laughs> exclusives uh, just knocking around at your pad. You never know, brother. You never know. <laughs> well, then. It's been a long and twisty road. Please, Cujo, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next lady for a shave. Me. I want to get my lady shaved. Wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. The whale. And a shark. But mostly the whale. <laughs> Poor, you're ridiculous. The whale and the shark. I added the shark when you added two things because I thought it would be funny. I did it for comedic effect, mostly. But I still want a shark, if anybody's listening, <laughs> specifically the modern era one. But, yeah, the whale. You're uh, talking about the hovercraft, right? That's correct. Oh, that's a the, great I always thought it was a cool vehicle, whatever. Um, but I, I don't know why I just never clicked on buying one. And then Steve got one. A few years back, I remember. I think we even had to change a tire. Um, <laughs> and yes, uh, we did. Wow. Oh my goodness, what we a did. Yeah, and uh, wow, dude. We didn't have to change it's a like, tire on the whale. Let's just make no, that clear. No, we had to change a tire on on the on the <laughs> Maserati on the first one of my car tires. The, what a shame. Yeah, but dude, yeah, like 
if uh, if if you guys have got a whale, and I'm sure most listeners do, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Rob and Steve both have a whale. Cujo yeah, allegedly has a whale. Does. Uh, yeah. I have some whales around me, yeah. Every time you head down to Long Beach. <laughs> well, there, are, there is there is a, a world-renowned aquarium around here. But, uh, no, I mean, the whale is, that's like kind of like a, a skiff, you know? Like, you can have battles on it, and people can get knocked off it, but they're still in play, but they're kind of, you know... I, I exactly. Like it's a vehicle and a playset, which makes it quite a bit more exciting than just being a, a standard vehicle. Uh, which is really cool. And I also love all the features. This is something that's odd with me lately. I seem to also kind of be going uh, through a phase at the moment where with G.I. Joe collecting, I'm trying to think of the important pieces because I'd like to kind of round off my collection, uh, for now at least. The whale has a very strong sort of military sensibility to it, but with that uh, fantastic flair that G.I. Joe adds that is really subtle before G.I. Joe starts getting into the insane territory of you know cobra bugs etc etc and uh (laughs) i really appreciate the whale for that because i think it's it's a very sexy vehicle in that regard okay let me ask you who do you see on the uh the crusty bike on that little bike i just see old shipwreck popping some tricks like some and stuff yeah and that's a cool thing you know i got a lot of vintage uh joes that i think would work really well on the whale which Kind of adds to its aesthetic. Um, my number four pick is also a waterborne vehicle. It's not the shock. It comes in the form of a Cobra Moray. Listeners, long-time listeners uh, who actually listen to me will know that I want a Cobra Moray and that I've always liked it. And uh, when I managed to have my hands on one recently when Steve brought his up, i got to say, it's also it falls into the same category as the whale in that it's also kind of a playset because of how big it is, but it is more vehicle. So it's like in that sort of balance between vehicle playset, it's more vehicle. But it's it's huge, uh, and I love the scale of that boat. Uh, it just it has a lot of great little features. It's sexy looking, and and I specifically want the Cobra one with that sort of burgundy uh, coloring, burgundy and gray coloring. I just love the the whole design. The class of '85, man, that year of of vehicle design in particular seemed to be out of this world good and the moray is a classic example of that even down to the little searchlight glass i mean these were these were model kits clearly the priority in 85 was creating toy art like elevating the boys toy medium they were not simplistic toys you were getting you were getting model kits that year. And and something to note about the 85 stuff and even the pre-85 stuff was that a lot of attention was placed on scale. What I mean by that is no G.I. Joe vehicle is really 100% to scale. They come in and out of being very close to the real scale at, or very like diminutive versions of the scale. It's, uh, it's hard to explain. They, they seem kind of chubby. Uh, for the scale. Yeah, but, I, I, um, I'd venture to the, say that, that typically they dance around the 1 to 24 scale mark as opposed to the 1 to 18 in the vehicles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so exactly that. And um, I just find vehicles like uh, the previously mentioned Whale and the Moray seem to be quite brave in that they try to be closer to their scale, to their real size, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. 
uh, which uh, which I appreciate. Cool. On to my third pick. I did debate this, and this is a very difficult thing for me, but pretty much the full Tiger Force vintage line. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the vehicles. I'm talking about the individual figures. And I will list some exceptions. I also want the... And this is why he's not in my number one or two. I also really want that European exclusive art back. I love that design. As soon as Steve... Uh, earlier, Steve mentioned, very rarely does a redeco of a figure surpass the original. And as soon as he said that, I immediately thought art back because I've had that art back on my brain. I've even mentioned it earlier in the show. And I would really like him and then the rest of the Tiger Force rollout, you know, that came... And the drivers of the vehicles, obviously. Because they are great figures. I love their deco. It is very unusual. It hasn't been uh, repeated again in the line. Uh, and Tiger Force in its, has its own little cult following, which is really cool, which is something I click on to quite a bit. <laughs> and uh, Guilty as these figures are great. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Tiger Force figures are just great. They, I love their coloring. I love... Everything about them, actually, they they just fantastic figures. I'm not and sure all of our listenership would agree with you, Paul. But I I hear that. But but the thing is, like, I can actually realistically see myself completing the whole Tiger Force line, and and that kind of makes it more appealing to me, you know. Just as and and I'm pretty sure that once I've done that, I might want to hunt a, a an entire 85 line or an entire 86 line or whatever. But Tiger Force is pretty much the focus of my eBay. When I go into eBay and I want to look for G.I. Joe stuff specifically, I hunt for Tiger Force stuff first before I go and look for anything else that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be weird that it's number three on my list, but then you've got to know that number two and uh, number one have to be really important because these are the reasons I do go onto eBay, Done. which is going to bring me to number two. Number two, the Tiger Rat. <laughs> That's right, but not just the ti- not the vintage Tiger Rat, the Target exclusive modern era re-release of the Tiger Rat, because I'd like to fit my modern era Tiger Force shipwreck into the Tiger Rat. Because that makes so much sense. <laughs> I know, right? Because Tiger Force shipwreck is the ultimate figure ever. Okay, like he's up there with Tiger Force Outback. Okay, in terms of coolness. And the thing is, Rob mentioned earlier he wants a Rattler. I agree, a Rattler is a great freaking plane. And you put some tiger stripes on it and you make it yellow and makes it even better. And that's why I have to have one before I get a regular blue Rattler. So that's my number awesome. two. And number one, ladies and gentlemen, and this is still going strong. And this is an itch I really have to scratch. I really need this in my life is an MCC. I thought that when Steve brought his MCC over to my house, that I would get my joy from it and that I'd be able to, you know, be satisfied in the sense that I've played with that figure, I've seen it, I've held it in my hand, and I've put Joe's on it. I thought that I would just be satisfied, but I am not, ladies and gentlemen. I want this thing more. This is like when your hot high school crush grows up to be even hotter and not fatter like most of them do, okay, and you get some time in there. Okay, and then she has to go overseas. Okay, I mean, you want to jump on a jet plane to go and find this woman? Okay, or significant other, let's be PC, okay, safe spaces, whatever. But like, 
Yeah, that's my MCC. MCC is probably the most wanted G.I. Joe thing in my life at the moment. Jeez, bro, and I get to take that woman home every night, and I get to open her up. It's like a tackle box, it looks like. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Exactly that. Basically. But it is so much fun, and the amount of scenarios you can play out in there, uh, and and the stuff you can do with that, it's just great. Would it pain you to know she's she's in my bedroom right now on the floor? Hello. Just wide open. That's good, dude. All I'm saying is is that a toy like that needs to be played with. Oh yeah, she does. On the she floor. Does. I will be gentle. On the though. bed. Yeah, of course, because we don't want anything to break. She's, she's a lot lot more robust but... than many people will have you imagine, though. She's she's not eggshell. That was my that was my my expectation when I first got my hands on her. But uh, I, I wouldn't go rolling her down a hill, particularly not when she's splayed out. <laughs> no, exactly. You reach him, You're going gonna to break something. And in true poor fashion, there are some notable mentions, <laughs> which I will speed read through and not go into any detail with. At number six, Ambush. Number seven, a Raider. Number eight, the Ram, modern era Ram. Number nine, the Rolling Thunder. Number ten, the General. Number 11, Joe HQ. Number 12, the Tactical Battle Platform. Number 13, the Asp. Like I said earlier, when Stephen put his Asp in my hand, it was magical. Mm-hmm. Number 14, Snake Armor. And number 15, Ooh. a Pogo. Cool. <laughs> I can't believe you put the General ahead of uh, the 1983 HQ. The General is a pretty tasteless oh. affair, if you ask me, but... Whatever you say. It is so tasteless, but it has some kind of oddball appeal. Yeah, the inability to roll it through a doorway. (laughs) The reason it's not on my list list is because the things on my list list I I actually want to buy. I'd like to get them within the next five years of my life. And I need to put them somewhere. I can't put a a general anywhere. Oh, and you can put an MCC? My goodness, man. I have space for an MCC. I will make it. I'll make that space. Yeah, your girlfriend still has a side to the bed, right? Yeah, she totally does. She has what I like to call her side of the bed, which is better known as the whole bed. Uh, I sleep on the corner of the bed. Like, that's Michelle's kingdom. Everything the bed touches is Michelle's kingdom. Need I ask, Kujo, do you have a hit list, or do you have every toy that you could ever possibly want? I'm still in awe of uh, Paul's description of his uh, bedroom. Yeah, I can start out with some personal picks. Uh, once upon a time, I was a, a very young lad, and you know it when you're in school and certain kids aren't into their GI Joes anymore, but you're still in it. I think we can all commiserate. <laughs> in fact, yeah. I, I challenge anyone of our listenership to not be in that group. But uh, this kid had a V1 Snake Eyes and Stalker, and they were mint. And I'm like, yeah, I'll make that trade. I don't remember what I traded away. It wasn't important. But I got those two figures, and I put them in my backpack with, with my favorite vest at the time. And you know a good vest can just make you feel like a boss. But we put the backpack in the back of the car, and on the drive home, it blew out. I had those figures, <laughs> no, I had those figures in my hand for like two minutes, dude. And I never have ever held another V1 Snake Eyes in mint. So there's that. Those are on my hit list, I suppose. I, I really only have four. I really want the Roddy Piper convention figure. Um, oh, like the one that they've got that sign that that Burbank sale that's happening today in America <laughs> Land. 
Nice, nice, brother. Twist the knife. <laughs> Head on up there, dude. Oh yeah. Burbank is Burbank is a beautiful city, but it's not my destination. How, how far um, is it? No, it's not too far away. I could make it in in thirty minutes, uh, given the right traffic. So yeah, the Roddy Piper figure is a big one. I'm not gonna undersell that. But my first pick, and I, I guess I'll, I'll I'll just have one blank, just in case, uh, you know. But the mail away figure, what what are they called now? They're basically like the foot soldiers for GI Joe. The green shirts. Yeah, yeah. What's what? What are those? Steel oh, Brigade. Oh, Steel Brigade. Steel Brigade. Is. Yes. Yeah, the, I I mailed away for that. <laughs> back back <in> the day. <laughs> <laughs> it must be allergies or something, Paul. I I had that figure, and they sent you kind of a computer printout that, like, it was a checklist of all the abilities you oh, wanted that mail-away figure to. I had it. I had the checklist. Dude, I lost. I mailed it in. I lost my printout. I don't remember was what was important to me in a figure back then. I remember I had some bomb disposal skills. You lost it because you sent it But I would just really in. love to see that. Like, unless you made a photocopy. You did, but they sent you back a printout. Oh, really? They sent you back a printout. Oh. So I lost that, and I would love to see that paper again to know where my young mind was at. But that's that's probably my favorite figure, and I, I just I, I love the original sculpt. You got one step further than me though, Cujo, because I sent it in and got nothing back. Uh, <laughs> we never got around sending ours in. When it, I, I've I've felt that sting too, brother. We've got a listener from uh, New Zealand, Brent McMillan, uh, who struck up a pretty interesting conversation with us about about sending in for G.I. Joe premiums and mailing away flag points and the whatnot. And I mentioned that uh, there was an offer that I <laughs> thought was so, too cool to pass up, so I sent away for it. Unfortunately, the offer had expired, I think, five years prior to that, and it was the Steel Brigade make-your-own-G.I.Joe or you-can-be-the-next-G.I.Joe offer. But unfortunately, no one was responding to me, man. And it's not like the Steel Brigade thing only happened for a year. It uh, it lasted way beyond 1987. But obviously I missed the boat. And perhaps being in uh, the southernmost tip of Africa in a nation that was probably being uh, trade embargoed by the United States at the time for having a tyrannical government. Yeah. At the time, you say? Oh, yeah. South Africa was under a... Yeah. Big cloud for a long time in international uh, history. At the time, you say? At the time, <laughs> I say. Anyway, so my Steel Brigade hopes were dashed. I heard you, Kedra. Yeah, I never <laughs> get the humor because I'm always talking. I keep it it's subtle true. so when you edit, it, it's, it's a treat, brother. I hope it comes out. <laughs> if you're leaving what I said, it will. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Gents, <laughs> is that a wrap on episode 64 or what? I think so. I think so. I think so, yeah. We have done um, good justice to the world. And very cunningly gotten our Christmas wish lists out there hell of a early. So if any of you gents uh, managed to corner a Tiger Force Outback... You know, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled. What iteration did you say? Oh, the only one. It's the only Tiger Force Outback. 1990s Tiger Force Outback. European exclusive. In any case, this has been episode 64 of G.I. Joburg. We are once again talking about toys. We took a little break to talk about things like comic books, cartoons, and movies. But we're back, and this is where our true passion lies. Thanks for joining us. My name is Steve. Rob, you go first, but I'm Paul. (laughs) 
I'm Rob. You get to go off me, Paul. Special missions, Kujo, reporting for duty as always. Mm-hmm. Reporting for duty at Burbank, California, at the estate bill. <laughs> I feel like we could find a better deal, brother. I- I'm gonna take a peek. Nice. And we better start looking for a minty stalker or snake eyes for y'all. Catch us next time for episode 65, where there is little explanation, zero advertising, but a lot of G.I. Joe. Goodbye, everybody. And some sunbolt.